Hello, my rebels. Today, I tried to go through the cancel culture that is just racking the world. Trouble is, I only have, what, half an hour. I go through about 50 examples, including Wendy Mesley. Couldn't happen a nicer person. That's ahead, but before I get there, can I invite you to become a premium subscriber? You get the video version of the podcast. Uh, sometimes that's uh, just a, a general bonus, but today there's an image of someone pulling down a statue and the statue falling on them. And I just wish you could see it, and you can see it by becoming a premium subscriber. Go to rebelnews.com and click on subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, and you get the video version of this podcast. All right, here's the show. Tonight, first, Wendy Mesley, now Ben Mulroney's wife, leftist cancel culture is devouring its own. It's June 12th and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I'm not that into the scene, but if you're a young, hip woman in Canada, you might have come across Jessica Mulrooney. As her last name suggests, she married into the Mulrooney family. Her husband is Ben Mulrooney, who has had a successful career in similar pop and fashion media. Nothing heavy, nothing political, lots of shiny teeth and tanned skin. Uh, Jessica Mulrooney had a TV show of her own and gigs with big brands like Hudson's Bay. The two of them were as close as Canada gets to a glamorous media couple, I guess, and they dabbled in the U.S. media, too. And in recent years, Jessica Mulroney also became known as a PR woman for Meghan Markle, the American divorcee who married Prince Harry and pretty much pulled him out of the royal family, but not before pressing him to use his connections to promote her career. It's so gross. Remember this? <laughs> Well, that's over. Jessica Mulroney was sacked by CTV. She needs to be a better white ally, they said. Jessica Mulroney isn't doing enough for diversity in black voices, they said. So her show is being canceled. And the back episodes, I think they've been deleted too. I say again, Mulroney was the quarterback for Meghan Markle's woke battle against that old white Queen Elizabeth. Markle is half black, of course, and with Mulroney's help, she's been bashing everything about the royal family and, frankly, everything about Britain. I guess it wasn't woke enough, though, to get her a pass. Jessica Mulroney is out. Lost her show, lost her sponsorship gigs. Here's Hudson's Bay saying Mulroney isn't woke enough for them either. She's dumped. It's bad being fired. I was fired once a long time ago. It's not fun, but being fired for being racist, well, that's tough to come back from because it's like it's the last word about you. It, it comes to define you. You were obviously too racist for everyone who knew you, so how could you be hired by someone else? It's a disaster. It's a life sentence in a way. But what's remarkable here is just how woke Jessica Mulroney was. I mean, she's a fancy person, as close as we get to Hollywood up here. She's pretty. She has fancy friends, and she's the chief assistant to woke Meghan Markle, just sacked, depersoned, deleted from history, 
Who cares if she's a Mulroney? It's like this, this famous photo of Stalin that was an airbrush to remove someone who became, well, inconvenient. They were unpersoned for whatever reason, airbrushed out. So Jessica Mulroney has just been airbrushed out of history, too. Sorry, you were woke, but just not woke enough. Oh, and Wendy Mesley, too, Peter Mansbridge's ex, who was given a CBC show out of some sort of nepotism and a retirement plan for her, she was fired from her show for saying a bad word about black people. Wendy Mesley suspended from hosting after using careless language in discussing racial issue. Neither host nor CBC's head of public affairs clarified what word was used. Gee, I wonder what word that would be. Here's Wendy Mesley herself. She says, this is a word that no one like me should ever use. I made a big mistake and I promised to change my behavior. Yeah, that's not how it works, Wendy. You're canceled. And you know about being canceled because your career in its twilight has been on this bizarre, obscure show that specialized in trying to get other people canceled. So it's weird. So instead of interviewing, interviewing important newsmakers with strong opinions and newsworthy ideas, instead of talking to them about ideas, she specialized in digging through someone's old social media comments, trying to find a gotcha thing to ambush them with. Remember when Jordan Peterson was on a show? This was when he had the biggest book in the English world, a bestseller in every country. He was drawing literally thousands of people a night to hear his speeches. He was an idea shaper. And wacky Wendy just thought it was a gotcha moment. Remember that? I'm just wondering why you would choose to be in this photo. Well, I've probably had my photo taken with five or 6,000 people in the last No, but this year, is so. with a Pepe flag. I understand I mean, that. you know yeah. that, that this is now seen as a, as a symbol for the old. The well, old, right? I did a video online called The Metaphysics of Pepe, and people are waiting. Well, they're waiting with things like this to say, look, well, you made a mistake here. It's like, yeah, well, I've done like 10,000 things in the last year, and maybe I made a mistake. Did you? Hard to say. So weak, so lame, trying to deplatform and cancel people. Now she's deplatformed and canceled, except that unlike Jordan Peterson or Maxime Bernier, who she also tried it on, neither of them actually are racist, but apparently White Wendy drops the N-word around the office and didn't know what was wrong. Well, live by the sword, die by the sword. And, and same for the terribly woke J.K. Rowling, author of the kids' fantasy fiction books about wizards and whatever, Harry Potter. Favorite book for liberal millennials, only book for liberal millennials, really. Uh, she made a billion dollars and then had a post-author career sort of revising the history of many of her characters. Oh, did you know this one was actually black and this one was actually gay or whatever? It was sort of weird, but it was her way of being progressive. But then she made the mistake of saying that biological women are different from men who transition to women, trans women. Yeah, no, cancelled, even by those losers that she turned into millionaire stars like this guy. Daniel Radcliffe hopes J.K. Rowling trans tweets don't taint Harry Potter. <laughs> Transgender women are women, the actor wrote. Any statement to the contrary erases the identity and dignity of transgender people. So you might think it's a bit of mansplaining for some little twerp to tell a woman who is and isn't a woman, but you see, Transgenderism trumps being a woman. Sorry, J.K. Rowling, you're canceled too. And woke companies started bashing her too. Here's the body shop. Hey, J.K. Rowling, here's something we made earlier. We thought you might like one. We've also popped in a vegan bath bomb and a copy of Trans Rights for you to read in the bath. 
Yeah, that thing's more woke than the body shop. You know who owns them? They're an $11 billion multinational corporation headquartered in Brazil telling a woman to shut up about women. Here's a picture of their board of directors from a few years ago that they found online. They're woke. J.K. Rowling is canceled because they're right about who a woman is and who isn't. Oh, and also canceled the editorial pages editor of the New York Times. He was a very woke liberal. You have to be. Uh, but he was fired, canceled, because he dared to publish an op-ed from a sitting U.S. senator that called for more law enforcement during the riots. Uh, an opinion supported by more than 70% of Americans, supported by most black Americans too, by the way. Uh, and even if it wasn't uh, a popular opinion, you know, newspapers sometimes do publish dissenting points of view too, minority opinions too. Yeah, no, <laughs> the guy who commissioned it was fired. You know, John Cleese, you know him from the British comedy troupe Monty Python? Terribly woke. Always tweeting against Donald Trump, against conservatives. Too bad, so sad, not enough, he's gone too. Look at this. Faulty Towers, don't mention the war episode removed from UK TV. It's pretty funny. I don't know if you ever saw Faulty Towers. He plays a British hotel manager and a bunch of German tourists come to visit and he keeps telling the staff, don't mention the war, don't mention the war. Did you ever see it? Take a look. Are these Germans too? Oh yes, but I can do Right, right. Here's the plan. I'll stand there and ask them if they want something to drink before the war. Before their lunch. <laughs> don't mention the war. Can we help you? <laughs> yeah, gone. Poof, just gone. Same with the British show called Little Britain because some of their skips are in, skits are in blackface. Just deleted, gone from Netflix. Uh, gone with the Wind has been deleted from HBO. Did you know that? Uh, it's too bad, really. The first black woman to ever win an Oscar won it in that movie. Hattie McDaniel was her name. I guess her black life doesn't really matter. Uh, a lot of cops shows have been canceled, too, for some reason. I'm not sure how that works. You know, these days, so many cop shows feature black police officers, often in senior positions. In fact, I'm having trouble thinking of a police show on the air today that doesn't feature a black cop, almost always in a lovable or admirable or respectable role the hero of the show, not just as a criminal. So I'm not sure how it's going to work if you're banning cop shows, but hey, there's no rhyme or reason here. Everything's being canceled, deplatformed. I showed you the other day, Abraham Lincoln, liberator of four million slaves. He's a racist, obviously. Vandalized his statue. Churchill, the man who, as much as anyone, defeated Nazi Germany. Well, they're calling him a racist now. Yeah, mate, black lives matter to Hitler, just not in the way that you think those words mean. A pretty good thing for black lives that Churchill was there to fight Hitler, don't you think? Uh, they defaced Churchill's statue in London uh, last week. The rioters did, that is, spray paint. But now the mayor is defacing it again, literally putting a big wooden box around it, a coffin, really. Why not station a policeman there instead, or soldiers or veterans, to guard the statue, whatever? Why not guard it? This is official government vandalism, putting a box around it. It's actually much more effective than the rioters and the spray painters. Put it in a coffin, you can't even see it. I don't know if that's actually going to stop motivated rioters from destroying the statues, even if they're in a coffin. I mean, what's to stop people from smashing the coffin, then smashing the statue? Here's one the other day in the United States. They pulled it down, and it happened to crush one of the guys who was pulling it down. 
by the way. That's sort of like if a lumberjack doesn't know what he's doing and shouts timber and the tree falls on him. Yeah, I tell you, you need a heart of stone, not to at least chuckle at the irony here. I, I understand that the rider is now in serious condition, but still, can you enjoy this? I guess whoever that soldier was who was uh, turned into a statue, I guess he claimed one more victim, the racist. That's terrible. Uh, they tore down the statue of Christopher Columbus in Minnesota. I'm not sure what that has to do with Black Lives Matter or police brutality in Minneapolis. Columbus is an Italian-American icon. Columbus Day is sort of the Italian-American national day. I, I had the good fortune to be in New York City last Columbus Day, and I saw the parade. Uh, it, it's a big moment for Italian-Americans. It's sort of like their version of the Irish St. Patrick's Day, really. Um, I actually, that's where I actually first met, uh, first saw Andrew Cuomo, the governor. He was in the parade. Um, here's Governor Cuomo talking uh, about that. Uh, Christopher Columbus, I uh, understand the dialogue has been going on for a number of years. The Christopher Columbus uh, statue represents, uh, in, in some ways, the Italian-American legacy in this country uh, and the Italian-American contribution in this country. I understand the feelings about Christopher Columbus uh, and uh, some of his acts, which uh, nobody would support. But the statue was, has come to represent and signify uh, appreciation for the Italian-American contribution to New York. Well, I'm glad he's not actually throwing his own people in the garbage can this time, but I notice he's been silent on every other historical desecration and on the burning down of his prized city, New York. There's really no one who's spared by this platform, deplatforming, cancel culture. It's like a Maoist cultural revolution. Everyone's going to get it. It'll come for you. Weirdly, a group of Hollywood B-listers did one of those awful, cringy videos where they all look into the camera and don't wear any makeup and try to be really woke. Who thinks those are ever a good idea? Here's a bunch of liberals in Hollywood denouncing themselves before they are denounced by others. They thought they would do it first. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility for every unchecked moment, for every time it was easier to ignore than to call it out for what it was. Every not-so-funny joke. Every unfair stereotype. Every blatant injustice, no matter how big or small. Every time I remained silent. Every time I explained away police brutality. Or turned a blind eye. I take responsibility. Black people are being slaughtered in the streets, killed in their own homes. These are our brothers and sisters, our friends, our family. We are done watching them die. We are no longer bystanders. We will not be idle. Enough is enough. I will no longer allow an unchecked moment. I will no longer allow racist, hurtful words, jokes, stereotypes, no matter how big or small, to be uttered in my presence. I will not turn a blind eye. Going for a job should not be a death sentence. Sleeping in your own home should not be a death sentence. Playing video games with your nephew should not be a death sentence. Shopping in a store should not be a death sentence. Business as usual should not be life-threatening. I stand against hate. I stand against hate. I stand against hate. I stand against hate. I will stand against hate in love. 
I will make my presence known. And killer cops must be prosecuted. They are murderers. We can turn the tide. It is time to take responsibility. Call out hate. Step up and take action. I listened to that. You know what I thought? I thought, you actually did all those things. You were silent when you heard bigoted comments. You really were a party to all that. Oh, my God, you actually are awful people. Seriously. I mean, between Harvey Weinstein pretending he was a feminist but actually being a serial rapist and Hollywood's lovies pretending to be woke but now confessing to all this racism, it's shocking that we look up to them at all. They really are the worst people. I've never in my entire life, and I've traveled widely, I've never encountered people like that. I mean, other than Justin Trudeau, do you actually know anyone in real life who's worn blackface in that mocking way? So many times that he can't even count. I've been a lot of places. I've never even heard of it. Everyone's just being fired these days, just for good measure. Even on talk shows that are supposed to talk about things. You can't talk about things on talk shows, didn't you know? Oh, look at this. Nigel Farage was fired from his talk show in the UK for criticizing Black Lives Matter. Stockwell Day was sacked from the CBC as an opinion commentator for having the wrong opinions. The corporate boards he was on sacked him too. Not a lot of courage in either place. I mean, if they'll fire Wendy Mesley, they surely wouldn't hesitate to fire the former leader of the Canadian Alliance. Um, <laughs> Rex Murphy, his fellow staff are trying to get him fired from his own newspaper, his own staff. They say he, quote, certainly should not be allowed to declare that racism is over, nor be given a national platform to do so. And his editors started to throw him under the bus today, putting an editor's note under his column saying it wasn't properly reviewed. Huh. You know, I thought the pages, uh, the opinion pages of a newspaper were for debating things, were for disagreement. Here's a white journalist named Mason Wright. He's the head of the Unifor Union at the Globe and Mail. I say again, he's white. But his letter here is condemning the Globe and Mail's management for being white. He's calling for his white bosses to step down. I'm not sure why he isn't stepping down himself, though, because, as I mentioned, he's white. As the boss of the union, step aside. I guess it will fall to someone else to deplatform him. After he deplatforms others, someone de will, will deplatform him like dominoes, I suppose. Uh, Ryerson University here in Toronto that has a journalism school here in Toronto now has a petition to take down the statue of Mr. Ryerson, because 150 years ago he ran residential schools in Canada. I'd like to show sympathy for Ryerson, but like Jessica Mulroney and Wendy Mesley or the rioter who had that statue fall on his head, it's a little hard to muster the sympathy. I mean, Ryerson teaches grudges and grievances and victimology all day long to its students. Are they surprised when that lesson has been learned I haven't even begun to cover the list of prominent people who have been cancelled in the past two weeks. There are dozens. Uh, even this week I spoke to a feminist professor at the U of A, very left-wing woman at a very left-wing school, who says she's about to be sacked, she's certain of it, because she believes trans women are not the same as biological women. She's making the J.K. Rowling mistake. The monster of grievance theory of victimology is going to eat everything and everyone. Well, not quite everyone yet. Sarah Silverman, the Democratic Party activist and left-wing scold, who actually used to be one of the funniest comedians in Hollywood, well, she hasn't been fired yet for blackface. I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that she's a Democrat. Jimmy Kimmel went far beyond blackface. He did the full Trudeau, top to bottom black, and then he put on a weird accent, too, just in case you missed it. Yeah. 
sometime at night, call below, look up in sky and say, what the hell going on up there? Do UFO live on other planet, phoning home like E.T.? Come along, read on TV about white people getting deducted by aliens, sticking all kind of hell up their butt. And that's a damn thing. That mumbling is a wonderful touch, don't you think? What an ally he is. Why hasn't he been canceled? Oh, right. Democrat, right? Here's Joy Bahar from The View in blackface. I think she looks rather pretty that way, don't you? Why hasn't she been canceled? Oh, right, right, right. She's a Democrat. So I guess not everyone has to worry yet. Hey, you know, apropos of nothing, I've never been to Mount Rushmore, never been. I think I might try and visit it sooner rather than later, one of these days. Really, really soon, actually. Get that bucket list item done sooner than planned, actually. <laughs> Just in case. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, I have to tell you, ever since I've been tracking uh, the immigration debate in this country, it has been clear the entire time that Canadian public opinion wants less immigration. They absolutely don't want more immigration, and yet every single year they get more immigration. That's caused a number of problems, but those problems have become more acute during the coronavirus pandemic and the political reaction to it. I showed you this slide the other day. Trevor Tomby, an economist in Alberta, has published what he calls the effective unemployment rate. It's not just people who have completely lost their jobs, but those who have been dramatically scaled back. And the effective unemployment rate for many provinces, including Ontario, is in the high 20% range. That's Great Depression-level unemployment. And yet despite that, Trudeau appears dead set on bringing in a record number of immigrants as well as a record number of temporary foreign workers, deliberately bringing in lower paid foreign workers to undercut, undercut the prevailing wage. So what do you think the polls would look like today? They were overwhelming before the pandemic. What are they like now, well, we don't have to speculate. We can actually check. Our friend Candace Malcolm from True North commissioned a poll, just released it, and I am delighted to welcome her to the show now. Candace, great to see you again. Thanks for having me, Ezra. Well, it is a pleasure. It's always nice to see you. And today you bring with you scientific, statistically valid polling on something that I bet Justin Trudeau is polling about very hard, but certainly not releasing the polls. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you decided to commission this poll, and then we'll jump into it. Now, there's a lot in here, but you suggested some of the most interesting stuff starts at page five, so we'll do that. But first, give me a little bit of background. Why did you pull the trigger on this poll now? Well, sure, Ezra. I mean, I, I think I'm like you. I'm always paying attention to public opinion and data on immigration. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to immigration data, and I like sifting through historic models and looking at recent public opinion. And I, I was just kind of curious because, you know, there's this idea now that Canadian borders are closed. You know, Justin Trudeau made a big announcement in March saying that they were uh, stopping all non-essential travel from the United States and from the rest of the world. And I think a lot of people have the idea that, that our borders are closed. Well, they're not. They're only really close to travelers and tourists. But we've still had 
large numbers of temporary foreign workers coming into Canada and immigrants and tem uh, international students and all kinds of other people coming as well, about half a million uh, since March. So anyway, I was just kind of interested and I had an opportunity with a friend who's a pollster who was doing another survey. So I just tagged on a couple of questions of our own, uh, trying to find out what Canadians think right now about both immigration levels and a temporary foreign worker program and, and the idea of doing a total moratorium, a, a, what I call a pause on all immigration. And Ezra, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen such an overwhelming consensus in agreement of putting a pause on immigration. So 76% of all Canadians polled said, yes, I either strongly agree or moderately agree with the idea that all Canada's immigration programs should be paused until a vaccine is developed for the coronavirus or the coronavirus threat passes and until the economy recovers and some of those you know 20 some percent of, of Canadians who are out of work get back into the workforce uh, find their old jobs or create new jobs and I, again I've, I've never seen anything like it so I think I think it's definitely interesting and there's a lot a lot to unpack if we want to go through the demographics yeah it's incredible I have to say I'm actually not that surprised I, I like to refer to the Angus Reid poll because he asks questions that are a little bit more prickly than your normal ma media party pollsters and his numbers doesn't surprise me I mean the number of people who he measures want to increase immigration, which is what Trudeau always proposes, is 4%, if I recall from his last poll. So let's go through yours. I have it here on my screen, and we'll show it at the same time to our viewers at home. I just, there's so much data in here, and this is such a good poll. It's broken down. I just want to tell our viewers, sample size, 1,000, uh, margin of error, plus or minus 4.4% uh, survey in English and French, so it's a quality poll. The whole thing's available at tnc.news, am I right? Yes, that's right. And uh, the poll was conducted between June 3rd and June 6th. Okay, so, so it's very, very recent. recent. Okay, so let's go through it. I'm on page five, and folks can follow along at home. We have it on the screen, or you can go to tnc.news. That's Candace's website. Canada should temporarily pause immigration until a vaccine is developed for coronavirus, and the unemployment rate drops down to pre-coronavirus levels. And you can see for all of Canada, as Candace just said, 76% agree, of whom 46% agree very strongly, only 7% strongly disagree. That's amazing. And, and Ezra, that's not lowering numbers, right? That's a complete moratorium, a complete pause on every single immigration program, every single uh, you know, class of immigration, every every type of immigration. So again, I, I don't think like a question like this has really been put to the public. Maybe it has, but but never asking you know so strongly for a pause and to have that. And again, you know, across all regions, it's not just. Typically, we see more more support for a reduction in immigration in places like Alberta and, and Western Canada and more openness in places like Quebec, Ontario and Atlantic Canada. But even here, you see, uh, you know, almost 50 percent, 49 percent of people in Ontario strongly agree with the idea yeah. and another 28 percent moderately agree. So you see it across the board. And then when you go over and you look at the difference between men and women, uh, young and old, again, there's just sort of a very broad consensus. Actually, it's interesting. Women were even more in, in support of this than, than men. Uh, women between age 35 and 54, 54 sort of middle-aged women, 56% strongly agreed and 30% um, moderately agreed. So you, you got you know 86% of, of, of women in that middle-aged category saying, stop immigration, which is which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, this is an outstanding graph and we're showing it on the screen. We'll put it back up on the screen now. and. Folks, I encourage you to go to tnc.news just to download it and really 
look through it slowly. You've broken it down by region, by sex, and by age. And I'm looking at all those bars. There's a lot of bars on the screen. But the one that's second to the right, that's what you were talking about there. Women between 35 and 54. Let's call those people mums. Right, yeah. 86%. 80s, that's the highest number in the entire demographic mix. I should say, both Ontario and Quebec it's, are exactly the same, 77%. So English Canada, French Canada, this really, I've never seen any question that is unifying. But for moms, moms are saying, get this fixed. Right, and only 1% strongly uh, disagreed. And, and you have to assume, I mean, I was looking at the data... Uh, almost 10 million Canadians have come to this country, have immigrated since 1990, so in the past 30 years. So, so you have to assume, uh, we didn't include you know, whether or not you're, you're an immigrant, but in, in, in my experience, immigrants are often the, the strongest proponents of cracking down on illegal immigration and lowering immigration levels. And so, you, you know, you also have to assume that there's probably uh, a representation of, of newcomers and immigrants who also fall into those categories and you generally agree with, with all Canadians. Yeah. I want to jump ahead to page eight of the poll because I find this very interesting. This measures by political affiliation. So what do conservative voters think? What do liberal voters think? And you can see there it won't shock people that uh, fully 89% of conservatives support the immigration pause. But look at the right-hand side there. That is the Bloc Québécois. And the number there, I'm just quickly adding up the 48%. It's 80, 87. There you go. Wow. That is just unbelievable. And 0%. <laughs> strongly disagree. The Green Party, that's a tiny little party. They, but even they, 66% want the pause. The NDP, left-wing party, but even they, 65% want the pause. Even the Liberals, 67% of Liberals want a pause. Only 9% of Liberals are strongly against it. That's amazing to me. How, here's the big question that I've always wondered. If men and women, young and old, East and West, liberal and conservative, if this, I mean, really, there is no, there's no one on the other side of this. There's different degrees of ardor, but everyone wants a pause. So how come we're not getting it in our political system? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I just want to go back to that one point quickly because you're 67%. So two thirds of people who cast their ballot for Justin Trudeau just, you know, six months ago, eight months ago in the 2019 federal election want to stop immigration entirely. So maybe Justin Trudeau should pay attention to that and, and think twice before he, you know, name calls and denigrates and, and calls people racist just because they disagree with him on immigration. And, and Ezra, to the idea of, of, you know, why isn't any political party listening? Well, to the four people running for leader of the Conservative Party, you know, 89% of your party wants a total pause on immigration. That, that would probably be a good place to start in terms of, of public policy. I don't yeah. think any of those conservatives, from, from my reading, have the courage to, to go ahead and say something. As I know Maxime Bernier is pretty on board. He was sharing the survey and, and, and tweeting it out. But interestingly, Ezra, if you look back at Canadian history, if you go back to the past you know, 150 years of immigration numbers, which Statistics Canada records all the way back to 1850, what you see is, is sort of peaks and valleys on a graph in terms of the immigration intake. So, you know, we had years where we let in a whole bunch of people, hundreds of thousands of people coming into Canada. And then that would always be followed by a period where the numbers would just go all the way down. And whether that was during a war or during an economic crisis, there'd be 
four or five years where next to no one uh, was allowed into Canada. And that would give us an opportunity to, you know, integrate newcomers for them to get used to life in Canada and to form a Canadian identity. Yeah. But for the last 30 years, since 1990, we've just had a sustained growth every year, more and more and more, starting at 200,000. Now we're up to 350,000 new permanent residents a year. I, I think Canadians are saying, hey, you know, let's go back to historically what has made Canada successful in terms of immigration, which is taking breaks every now and then. Now, right now is a perfect opportunity to take a break from immigration, to focus on our economy, you know, focus on getting past the coronavirus threat focus on making sure that newcomers who have come uh, have the services they need and feel like they're integrated members of the community. And then, you know, maybe a couple of years from now, we can talk about it again. But I think I think right now, Ezra, is a really good opportunity for any political party um, to capitalize on this sentiment and, and, and make a responsible uh, immigration change. Yeah, you know, in the last election, I mean, I, I should tell you that the last interview I ever had uh, with Andrew Scheer was about immigration. And I was pretty friendly. He came into our studio. One of our co-founders, Hamish Marshall, was actually Andrew Shear's campaign manager, so we're very, very friendly. Andrew Shear came in to our office, and I started to say, okay, um, and I was, I was too friendly because I was excited he was there, and you know, I didn't want to be rough with him, but I said, what, what is the level of immigration you want? And I said, do you have any views on the, on the nature of immigration? I wasn't being pushy. I just wanted to pin him down. I just want to show you a quick excerpt of that. I asked him five different ways, and he refused to answer five different times. Here, take a look at this. McCallum has said he's going to jack up the numbers probably by 100,000. Do you oppose that? Well, is it, what's that based on? You know, I it, don't know. Yeah, so if, if it's not based on something logical or coherent, then I think it's just a political target aimed at you know to trying to win over a, a, a segment of, of the electorate. I'm not going to do that. I, I, one of the so are you that, against that? Well, I... I, I'm, I, I I, I am against a policy that just throws a number out for shock value to yeah. or for to try to gain attention. I want our immigration policy to be be based on what the needs of the economy are, what the needs of our society, and then let's arrive at a number. I don't know why he was afraid of it, but from that moment onwards, he never actually said what his immigration level was until literally days before the election. He didn't put it in his election platform, and then he was pressured into blurting something out on a CBC town hall. Here, remember, take a look at this. But you still didn't give a number, and you would have to set a target as government. Mm -hmm. that, that's part of your job, is to set a government, so if, a level. So if the target right now is 350,000 immigrants by 2021, is that about what you're looking at? Or I no? think that's reasonable, yeah. And, and again, as long as that's coming from from facts, from evidence, from uh, a look at the situation and an understanding. He literally just caved into the CBC and said, yeah, whatever, Justin Trudeau, I'm the same. Candace, I have to say, you can choose a number and make the case for that number, and it doesn't even have to be zero, which is what your poll shows, but the, the cowardliness there, it's not winning over the open borders crowd. It's, I, I don't know, I just don't know why conservatives were afraid of it. The one politician in Canada who stood on this issue, well, he happens to be the new premier of Quebec, one of the most popular premiers in the country because of it. Sorry, I'm on a rant here, but boy, this, if I was a conservative and wanted to win, this is pretty much half the battle. Right. I think conservatives are just, uh, I shouldn't say all conservatives. I think someone like Andrew Scheer was just timid of, of upsetting the sort of elite political consensus on immigration, which Ezra has always been that all immigration is good and therefore more immigration is always better. 
but but it's it's so easy to make the case for the opposite, and it does require some political courage to you know stand up to the Rosemary Bartons and the CBCs of the world and say, look, just because it's what is what's been happening for thirty years doesn't necessarily mean it's good for the country. Even if you look. You know, the year that Justin Trudeau was elected, 2015, Canada's uh, immigration levels was about 250,000. Right now it's 350,000. Mm -hmm. So even for Andrew Scheer to just say, look, no, we'd go back to what the levels were under the last Conservative government, that, that would be an easy enough question and it would probably pass the elite consensus on immigration test. But, but he didn't even have the courage to do that, which I think is part of the reason why he's not prime minister today. But again, I, I want to emphasize the fact that this is an opportunity for conservatives, for a courageous conservative politician in this country to take an issue that has such overwhelming consensus of support uh, and push back a little bit against that mainstream narrative on immigration. Yeah. You know, there's a few things out there where the people are all on one side and the elites are all on the wrong side. Omar Khadr is a perfect example. All of official Ottawa loved the payout. They love the public apology. Normal Canadians said, you did what? And there's a few issues every now and then where the, the, all the elites are completely on the wrong side. And this is absolutely one of them, and your poll proves it. Listen, I've kept you very long here, Candace. It's great to see you as always. We're super fans of yours and your whole team. And I've said it many times, so let me say it again. If you are a subscriber and supporter of Rebel News, I think not only would you be interested in what Candace and her team does at TNC.news, but frankly, if I may say so, it behooves all of us to support like-minded, independent-minded journalists, frankly, even if you don't even go to the site. May I invite you to show your support for one of the few independent websites out there, TNC.news. Of course, they're great anyways. But anytime I see a conservative author or a conservative website, I feel a moral obligation to subscribe because if we don't, who will? Because like us, Candace doesn't take a dime from Trudeau. How's it going over there, by the way? We love Andrew Lawton. He's got his new show. You got Anthony Fury. You got a great group of guys and gals. Give us a quick update of how TNC.news is going. Well, sure. And Ezra, I really appreciate that plug. And I think, uh, you know, we feel the same way about the Rebel and, and our friends over there. You guys are always doing great work and really pushing uh, the important issues, showing the hypocrisy of the Trudeau government. And I think our supporters really appreciate that. So uh, TNC.news, it's, it's, it's a website that provides sort of conservative opinion podcasts. Uh, we do daily videos as well. And, and then we also have a news section. So it provides sort of fact-based news stories that don't have the the spin and the sort of left-wing uh, official talking points that the mainstream media pushes out. So we just try to provide sort of the other side of the story, very similar to The Rebel, but we do a lot of written um, news articles. So check it out, tnc.news. We also do a lot of other things like, uh, you know, we have a speaker series, so we do long-form interviews and, and podcasts and stuff like that. And I, I think very similarly to The Rebel, the idea is just that there's so many issues in Canada that the media and elite opinion is all on one side and so many Canadians fall on the other. You know, you mentioned Omar Khadr. I, I thought of another one, you know, the kneecap when when um, women coming from parts of the Middle East where they're forced to wear face coverings um, and, and they wanted to wear face coverings even during Canadian citizenship ceremonies, the polling on that issue was wild. It was like 98% of Canadians opposed it. And yet, you know, all of the media and all the political parties took the other side. So th there are a lot of issues like that in Canada, Ezra. I think it's so important uh, for, for groups like True North 
and the rebel to, to be pushing back against the, the sort of groupthink, cancel culture, nonsense narrative that comes from the mainstream media. Yeah, I mean, literally today as we speak, I see that uh, the National Post is throwing Rex Murphy under the bus. They haven't fired him yet, but they published a humiliating editor's note under his column saying they didn't properly edit him when he said Canada is not systemically racist. I fear uh, for anyone remaining in the mainstream media, it's such a dangerous place if, you're, if you think differently. Candace, I'll let you go because I've kept you so long. Thank you for being so generous with your time. I really recommend this poll for people because it proves what we sort of instinctively knew and it's, uh, it's compelling. I would hope a conservative politician takes it and runs with it. Take care, my friend. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Esther. Take care. Right on. There you have it. Candace Malcolm. She's the boss at TNC.News, also called True North. All right. Stay with us. More ahead. On my monologue last night, Paul writes, it's become pretty obvious to anyone paying attention that the Chinese Communist government owns the Liberal Party of Canada and using them to destroy us. Uh, owns, you know, that's a metaphor. But when they actually own, by virtue of a mortgage, two of the foreign minister's houses, it's actually literally true. Gary writes, regardless of whether the foreign minister lied about his mortgage, he should never be a cabinet minister and owe money to a foreign government. This is like so many others in Trudeau government that have conflicts of interest, which has made decisions based on personal interests and not Canadian interests. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, as I cited yesterday, there are so many banks in London. I think it's probably more banks in London than anywhere in the world, I think. Um, and they're ranked by how much mortgage business they do, measured by the value of their combined mortgages. And the Bank of China is ranked not in the top 10, not in the top 20, 30, 40, 50, it's ranked 53rd. They do 0.1% of the mortgage business in London. You didn't stumble across them, but you didn't start your way and work down. And don't tell me that a millionaire businessman working for a billionaire company in London has trouble getting a mortgage. I don't believe it. I'm just not that dumb. On my interview with Professor Lowry, Billy writes, I'm impressed in Ms. Lowry's support for Rebel News inclusion with other media outlets, and above all, her bravery in accepting an interview with you, Ezra. It's rare to see both sides come together in a common cause, especially these days when there's so much hate towards people of different opinions. Kudos to you, Ms. Lowry. Yeah, I didn't want to quarrel with her about the substance of what she said. I mean, I would do that another day if that was the subject. I mean, we disagreed on some feminist issues, on academia, on she wanted to talk about Israel or something. But that wasn't why we had her on the show. We talked her on the show about the censorship mob that's coming for her at the university. So I didn't really want to engage on the substance. And um, you know what? I offered her and I meant it. If she gets in trouble at a university, absolutely we'll crowdfund her legal defense. Absolutely. You know, we have to set the precedent. We have to build up a jurisprudence that you can't sack someone for the wrong opinion. And these days, it's usually conservatives who are being sacked. The funny thing is, she would be regarded as radical leftist just five years ago. But now transgenderism is the radical, and she's the ultra-conservative who says, no, women are women. Isn't that crazy? Her point of view five, ten years ago was as radical, cutting edge as anything. Now she's the dinosaur like J.K. Rowling. Unbelievable. Well, that's our show for today and for the week. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, see you at home. Good night. Keep fighting for freedom.